Hello, hello, and welcome to this 11th dose of Magic for Realists. This is kind of like a bonus episode, because usually I do one per week, but this is an extra one, because the inspiration is striking, and I'd like to share it with you. This one is called Bushwhacking, Seedlings, and a Tiny Chair, Lessons About Life Direction. My name is Lindsay Celeste, and I'm making this podcast because I'm not sleeping. It is quite early in the morning, and I am wide awake with a whole bunch of ideas. So, one of the great things about podcasting is that you can listen to this when it's convenient for you, and I can record it when it's convenient for me, which today is at before the sun comes up. What I want to share with you today is kind of like a sermon for myself. Use the word sermon because it harkens back to my past growing up going to church and sermons were the part when almost always a man would stand at the front and talk for a while supposedly giving something wise and speaking from, quote, the word of God. And uh, this is a sermon because I feel like I have something hopefully helpful to say, but instead of from the word of God, like a book and some writing between pages, I'm drawing this lesson from the larger universe from looking at the natural world around me and noticing how things happen. So settle in and uh, I just had the funny thought. I wonder if you are going to use this to go to sleep. Maybe I'm wide awake so that when you listen to this you can just drift off into peaceful sleep. Anyways, or maybe you will also become wide awake. So what I've been thinking about is my chaotic creative process and how I do or don't make decisions and how my life direction goes and has gone. And lately I've been feeling really antsy with like so much creative energy that I want to put into something and... It feels like I'm almost like a squirrel, like going from one tree to the next, to the next, to the next, and like kind of racing around in my head, um, scampering and grabbing useful bits and then hiding them somewhere else. And like, as if, as if I, like, I have a, I have a direction more than a plan. And it reminds me of these two art pieces I did a long time ago that still feel relevant. And one of them is a black and white piece of like just a sketched in pencil. And it has a kind of sad, confused self-portrait in the left top corner. 
and the background is a kind of sketch of a calendar and then there's a horizon and there's sort of like a signpost and this pathway looking like Y intersection and that was trying to capture this feeling like sometimes decisions feel like there are forks in the road and you know if you choose one all your other options close off and this certain sort of stress of uh black and white decisions like this or that one or the other and uh yeah just the the look that I captured on my own face in that sketch is just sort of this like baffled tense look and then the other piece, the the paired piece, is a circular canvas painted, and it also has a horizon line, but doesn't really have a path. There's no signposts, and it's textured. There's some uh, some some lace attached to it, and some three D paint chip or like paint chip cards, and. Uh, a bunch of spiral dots kind of up in the sky making almost like a constellation of not in a pattern that you would recognize but a bit of a clump with some outliers and then there's kind of triangular arrow shapes or uh, no pointy shapes all going kind of towards the middle but not at exactly the same point and this one was to capture how I often feel this was what was amazing to me. I, I made these pieces when I was 21. And coming up on 12 years later, I still feel like this is the situation. That that I am being... I don't know if I'm being guided or I'm guiding myself with this. This notion of a direction. Almost like I'm smelling it out. And I'm going towards something, or sometimes it's just that I'm going away from something else, and it's it's a direction of propulsion, and and there is a there's like a trend or tendencies, and there's patterns that emerge, like a like a cluster on a scatter graph. Scatter graph, I think that's a word. Uh, and then there's outliers of some points where it, it just seems like that was that was part of it that was part of the exploration and the discovery and maybe I thought it was it at one point but then you know more of the data points end up clustered somewhere else in this case the data points could be what I end up being interested in or what other people end up responding well to and and that's how I navigate my my life I suppose and so I I feel like along the way I've I oscillate between being really stoked on this method of of navigating and then sometimes despairing like I look at people who seemingly have a a more direct maybe it's career path or relationship history or even, oh, excuse me, <laughs> or even um, 
like travel plan. And, uh, and it looks like they maybe had a map of where they were going. And I think of this quote that I wrote out probably in high school. I don't remember what book it was from. It was some kind of like autobiography or, or biography or something. And the line was, he was the kind of person when given the choice between two paths would choose a machete. As in, they wouldn't take either and they'd make their own. And, uh, yeah, I feel like resonance with that idea and envy of people who who had a path to walk. And then the other side of the oscillation is this exhilaration of getting to just explore, to be going in a direction and to not know exactly what it's going to be like. And it just feels so alive. And I'm saying this because I need to hear this right now. I need to hear that that's an okay way to navigate. And what's occurring to me is that in the natural processes of the world, there are lots and lots and lots of potentials that never completely grow up. That evolution and the engines of life development that the death of possibility is a huge huge part of that so in a forest a tree makes so many more seeds than ever grow up to be an adult tree the ratio of replacement is about one to one like one tree makes one successful mature adult that is depending on the species anywhere from thousands to millions of seedlings that never grew and I was just thinking of the forest around my house and thinking wow I don't look at that like that's a failure (laughs) and that of course if I'm part of this universe that creates part like one of the ways that that happens is by having so many seedlings that don't grow up. So my ability to make tons of ideas and even to try them out and water them a tiny bit is, is all part of it. Like it's not separate from it. That act itself is like my generative nature of making, making things. They don't all need to, they don't all need to become mature trees for me to be a successful tree. Like that's not, if I'm the, in this metaphor, if I'm the tree making seedlings, I, the measure of a tree is not that it has a million successful babies. That's just, honestly, that would be like manufactured. It wouldn't be natural. And and then maybe because I've grown up in a society that really emphasizes production and has actually 
come up with so many ways to automate and um, systematize production. I, I have these voices that tell me that because I'm not an assembly line and I'm not pumping out a lot of product that I am failing at this at making stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like that that needs to be said. That needs to be said. I am not failing at making stuff because I'm not a production line. Like this is a different thing I'm up to. This also goes for animals, that in the wild, animals often have more babies than survive. Even in my female body, I carry way much, way much more, way more potential for life than, than I will ever birth. Like that's, that's how it works. I have, I carry eggs around with me that are never going to become children. They're just there as potential, and that's part of my aliveness. And I haven't failed at being a human because I haven't turned all those eggs into babies. That, that is actually, like, impossible. <laughs> like, do you see what... I'm trying to get at this idea that, like, the I, potential that doesn't develop is part of the creative process. And so as I think about all these ideas that are not actualizing completely and that I might be acting on for a day or one email response or one small purchase of material and then nothing becomes of it. Those aren't, those aren't apart from what I'm up to. Those are like all part of my creative process. And and not necessarily failures. Like, there's a difference between a bunch of distractions and tangents and and the necessary dross and circuitous roots of creative adventuring that... Um, That squirrels are not, <laughs> squirrels are not wrong for going to so many different trees and scampering. That that's one very successful adaptive way of living. We just watched this movie called, or this little documentary called "How to Be a Successful Squirrel," and it's it's sort of playing through my mind right now. And this uh, immense affection and. And respect I now have for squirrels. It feels like maybe that was a timely movie to watch. With this feeling of busy scampering inside. And uh, maybe I'm hiding inspiration or ideas all over the place. In my mental and actual landscape. And that's like part of the process. So I share this with you because I suspect 
I'm not the only one who feels uh, this really loud voice of, quote, productive society as the measure of how we're supposed to do things and what success and production look like. As somebody who makes stuff, I often encounter that when I show somebody the thing I've made, they'll say, wow, that's so great. You should sell those. And this, this bothers me. This is a pet peeve. Because if I, they mean it as a compliment. They mean it as like, wow, this, you've really got something here. You could, you know, make something of it. You could make money. And my issue is, like, I made the thing. Like, that that was the point. <laughs> it's like, there might not be another point. This might be a complete one-off. And, you know, like, I just refinished a little tiny um, desk. Like, it's like a... A tiny chair it would probably fit about a four-year-old and I bought it from the thrift store because it was so cute and it's just like so unusual and so cute and it was terribly stained like had stains on it and also was like over lacquered and I took all the wood pieces off and sanded them down and oiled them and put it back together and sanded the rust off the metal and it looks so gorgeous now and I don't have a four-year-old so it's currently holding my boots which if you listen to the last episode about thrift stores is uh is also where some boots I fell in love with sit and so somebody could look at that chair and go wow you could sell those which has occurred to me but maybe well for one I couldn't find more of those chairs if I tried (laughs) like this is not I'm not gonna turn into like a baby chair restoration factory that's not what I'm up to and Maybe maybe the point was just to do that chair. To just sit outside in the sun the first times it felt warm enough. And to sit there and sand away. And to learn which grades of sandpaper I like best. And to get my car hearts covered in really fine dust. And to forget to drink my tea. And to just feel for a while completely absorbed in the task. And now to have this delightful seat for my shoes. Maybe that's it. Not it as in a diminutive, but like, that's, that's the entirety of that creation. Maybe it will never grow to be something else. Because all these potentials they're not lost like maybe the seedlings fed the deer and they it was like the something tasty for them to eat and yeah they killed the seedling but 
It's all part of the forest ecosystem. It's all part of the forest ecosystem. It's all part of this amazing, creative, evolutionary process where lots of things don't become the final thing. Now we might not know exactly where it's headed. We just have like a scent of it and a direction. Like, let's go west. Let's go towards where the sun sets. And sometimes you end up seemingly facing the other direction because if you've ever bushwhacked, sometimes you hit an impenetrable section of Devil's Club and you have to go around it. Devil's Club is this west coast, really tall, prickly, incredibly medicinal plant. Because you know if anything is called Devil's Club, there's got to be some hidden power in it. And when you hit a patch of that bushwhacking, you really don't want to go through it because it's pokes and stings and you need to go around. So you might end up walking for a while in seemingly the opposite direction. There's this quote by Henry David Thoreau <clears throat> that says, not all who wander are lost. And I believe that we would do better as a society if more of us wandered. If we wandered off the beaten path. paths and especially the roads that are laid out in front of us while currently they're pretty much headed towards destruction of ourselves our spirits and the natural world around us so we need to get off of them we need to explore other ways of being other ways of relating other ways of making money other ways of sharing and it's going to be a lot of, let's not say trial and error, because all those seedlings are not in error. They're all part of it. So my invitation to you is to step off the path, to dare to look lost because there's so much creativity and aliveness and regenerative life that happens in the wild spaces where actually a lot more things will die a lot more ideas won't completely grow up it's like in a production nursery, all the seedlings, like a super high percentage of the seedlings, grow up. In a forest, almost none of them. But a forest is so much more resilient and varied and, dare I say, alive than a bunch of seedlings under a plastic nursery tarp. Greenhouse, I mean. Like, that's, that's different. And sometimes we need to make incubators. We need to make nurseries to grow successfully a bunch of seedlings to 
regenerate the forest that we've destroyed. <laughs> so there's probably a place for all of this. A place for strategy and and yeah, incubation and careful attention and trying to get ideas to actually sprout and go somewhere. But let us not neglect the wild spaces of our own psyches, of the world, and of a way to navigate. Let us celebrate those and and go with it. I know <laughs> I, I've needed this. And maybe it's also been helpful for you. I hope so. And if you've enjoyed this, or if it's resonated with you, I'd love to hear about it. Thank you for listening. And may you know on your wild path that... Uh, what do I wish for you to know? What do I wish for myself to know? May you know that you're a part of it all and that the chaos isn't a failure. It's perhaps exactly the mark of the creative process. Bye for now. This is a little P.S. note. Thank you so much for listening. And if you... I've I've mentioned this before, but I've started a Patreon account. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. And you can search and find Magic for Realists there. And that subscription ranges from $4 a month and up for different levels, shall we say. And... I've made that as a tangible way to clap and say that you enjoy these episodes and want to support what I'm up to. And as part of the bonus of, um, or the, as part of that subscription, I add pictures and some words to some of these episodes. So for example, in this one, I spoke about a painting and about a chair. And uh, so if you want to see those paintings, that's part of the subscription on Patreon. So, yeah, money is a very real-world thing that um, is a way to express what we like and want to support. So that's the money aspect of this. I make these for free, but if you do want to contribute money back in thanks, um, that's how you do it. And the link will also be in the show notes. Okay, thanks again for listening. And until next time, if you have any magic, if you have any realists in your life who could use a little magic, please share this with them. And I hope you experience the magic of the real world, whether you're bushwhacking or sitting on a lovely little chair. Bye for now.